0: A note to our listeners this episode contains discussion of sex and drugs and tedium. Settle
1: down now and get comfy. You're about to sleep with a celebrity. Let your weary mind be free, and someone kind of famous time for Sleeping
0: with Celebrities. Hello, sleepyheads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. As you know, on this audio program, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. On this show... For one bedtime, we don't need them to bring their A-game, but rather their Z-game. It's a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, you can take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Stephen Tobolowski. He's going to talk with me about the most boring man he's ever met. But before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another program on the Maximum Fun Network. Sleepyheads, I wish to tell you about another podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It is called Baby Geniuses. It's a long-running podcast hosted by comedian Emily Heller and artist and TV creator, Lisa Hanawalt. This show is two funny, brainy, somewhat perverted friends chatting about their latest obsessions and petty grievances. Lots of fun segments that have their own special theme songs, and every episode caps off with a deep dive into a new, weird Wikipedia page. Baby geniuses on Maximum Fun, or wherever you get podcasts. And now, for our guest, Stephen Tobolowsky. He's an actor, writer, director, and raconteur. He is currently starring in the comedy science fiction film Love Virtually, in which he plays a therapist who is married to a therapist, and that therapist is played by Sherry O'Terry. You could stream this film now on Amazon Prime, but be careful about doing it before bedtime, because you will have laughed and be full of intrigue. Steven is one of the finest character actors of our time, and has appeared in iconic films like Groundhog Day, Memento, and Thelma and Louise. But he doesn't just say other people's words, though he is very good at that. He writes his own and is a published author. Suffice to say, I'm very pleased to welcome Stephen Tobolowski to Sleeping with Celebrities. Welcome, Stephen.
1: Thank you, thank you very much, John. Can you hear me here? Can you uh, hear me? Here? Yeah. No, no I, I was can hear you. I was just I just drifted off a little bit, but you mentioned sure. Jerry O'Terry. Yes. And I should say something about her. Okay, please do. Yeah. I always admired her work on Saturday Night Live. Always very funny. But she is one of those actors that's filled with pep. Mmm, pep. And you could underscore that. Yes. The number of scenes in which Cherry O'Terry jumped on me, jumped on my back, grabbed my neck and pulled it down, kind of wrestled me to the ground like an alligator, probably... Too too many to count. But she is the spark plug that makes Love Virtually a very amusing film. Highly recommended.
0: All right. Tell me, what is the best night of sleep you've ever had?
1: Well, there's two candidates. There's two candidates. Mm -hmm. One candidate and maybe you'll recognize this. It was one of those nights that I'd worked so hard in the theater. Uh, it was uh, where where you tear down the set, you know, strike, strike, strike the set, strike yeah. the set, yes, and I fell asleep when I finished, and in an instant, I opened my eyes, and it was eight hours later. Ah. No dream. No nothing no movement i slept as the dead Mm. as they would say what was the play the play was royal hunt of the sun Mm. do you know that play i don't this is about uh pizarro uh invading south america and uh, conquering the incan indians oh and i played an incan indian in this show It was also on the set crew. I see. Actually, I had a bigger part than just an Incan Indian. I was called the master of a hundred families. Oh. I am the master of a hundred families. So I had a probably pretty busy nightlife as an Incan. But I wore a loincloth and was covered with what they call Texas mud. I see. Uh, That's the makeup that you have to use. To make you make a big Texas boy look like an Incan Indian back in that day. Nowadays, it would probably bring lawsuits. Yes, I think it it would. Couldn't do it. But then I was master of a thousand, was it a thousand families? I think it was a hundred, but I I bring to all food, clothing, and shelter. That was my line. Uh, One of the great moments of this show was opening night in which the customers were given the note that our loincloths were not the right color, that the loincloths had to be dipped in the dip and dye again. So before we opened, they put all of our loincloths into the dip again, and they were not dry. Mm. by the time we opened the show and it began with a tableau of the incan indians coming out a very stylized form to indicate what an impressive civilization we had at that point in time we were kind of moving like dancers and we were young college boys so i imagine we were eye candy for some of the older ladies in the audience however sure none of us counted on the die the wet dye when coming in contact with more sensitive skin uh, mm. created a burning sensation that you could not even want to revisit. So all of us being arch professionals, we made our way slowly across the stage doing this tableau. And then when we got on the other side, we started screaming and pulling off our loincloths and jumping around and fanning our privates. Which was probably more interesting the entire first act. <laughs> so it's not just Striking the Set that wore you out. No, no. Now, Striking the Set happened a few days later. Okay. When we actually closed the show. That tale I just told you was from opening night. Opening night. And in college, you know, you ran a show for like two weeks. Right. One like Broadway where you run for two years, but it's two weeks was a lot for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. So
0: you mentioned that this was one of the best nights of sleep you've ever had, but there was a second candidate.
1: Yes. So it depends how you sit with dreams
0: Mm.
1: because my second candidate was I had a fantastic dream, an amazing dream. And, uh, it was a dream in which I was in this beautiful place, and I was with the girl I loved, and uh, you never can smell or hear anything in a dream, but I swear in this dream, I could smell like flowers, I could hear bees buzzing. It was such a beautiful dream, and it kept going on and on. so. I had this dream and it was magnificent. Mm. And then I went to sleep again and the next magnificent thing happened. I went right back to the same place, same dream, same dream. Now, how often are you able to do that to be in a magnificent dream and then come back and be in a magnificent dream again?
0: Wow. How long was the sleep and how long was the dream?
1: I'd say that was about a 10-hour night.
0: Wow. All right.
1: I was young. I was young. Yeah. I was in college. It was during exam time, so I had plenty of time to sleep. Sure. And I was in love. Ah.
0: ah. Right. Yes. Those sound like lovely, lovely sleeps um, and certainly more fascinating than— the person who you're going to tell us about meeting, the most boring man you've ever met.
1: Yeah, now this This is... I don't mean this as an insult. Sure. To say this person was boring. I, I'm just trying to be factual.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: We've all Truthful. met people that are... Have you ever met somebody with B.O.? that's so powerful that it's not like regular B.O. It's your eyes water, and you, you feel like you need to call someone from chemical engineering to come in and help. You wonder about their medical state. You that wonder about so their bad. medical state. So it, it's the same thing about boredom, in that you can talk to a lot of people that are boring, but this This particular man, I don't know if you, now you're a denizen of the far north of the United States. Yes, I live in St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah, you spend much time in Manhattan? I've been to Manhattan
0: several times. I have never lived there, but I have visited for multiple days at a time.
1: I see, yeah. Uh, I was in Manhattan And there was a period of time. Do you remember World Airways?
0: World Airways. I can't say that I do. When was this?
1: This was a glorious period in, I want to say, the mid-'80s, where World Airways was a fledgling company that was offering tickets from Los Angeles to New York for $95. Wow. One way, $95. So as a young actor in Los Angeles... I felt I was bi-coastal. Anytime I wanted to, I could go to New York and try out for a show, $95. Bring $100, have five left over for a sandwich. Right, and it just so happened that I was involved with several shows, uh, some successful, some not successful, in New York in the 80s, Mm. and I spent a lot of time and Dear friend of mine, Jim McClure, he was my roommate in college, and he was also playwright. He wrote Lone Star, Private Wars. Uh, He lived on 84th and Columbus. And he took me to a bar called McAleer's, which was on Amsterdam and about 80th Street. And I looked it up now, and McAleer's is no more. doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I don't know why, but it was the place where we all gathered. All of us actors would kind of gravitate to McAleer's after a show or after a rehearsal and just sit and talk to people and everything. Mm-hmm. It had a standard bar, mm. pitchers of beer, and a dartboard. You could play darts. And I kept going to McAleer's. And then I was at a restaurant and another actor said, Why do you go to McAleer's? And I said, Well, it's just in our neighborhood. He says, You can't go there because you may run into the most boring man in the world. He's at McAleer's. Mm. Now I felt it was almost a challenge. I thought, Well, I mean, it's a very common Irish pub. I, I don't imagine, I don't imagine, I haven't seen anyone there that's really boring. Well, I went in for lunch one day and there was a man behind the counter. He worked there. He was wearing a little chef's hat and he's wearing a little white t-shirt. He seemed like a friendly guy. And I said to him, so, uh." I haven't seen you in the evenings. And he said, no, I'm a sous chef. In fact, I spent a career as a sous chef for an Italian restaurant. On any given day, I could process 500 pounds of Italian sausage. And the way I do that is I unload the raw sausage, then I sprinkle in a little salt, I sprinkle in a little pepper, I do a little peppercorn, I'll put a little thyme, put a little basil. you, coriander, you mix it together, mix it together. And then I make a patty, 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 make a patty. I said, I get it. So you, you're making the patties out of the, he says, well, you never know if people are going to want sausage with eggs in the morning. or If you want sausage with pizza, I make pizza too. What's your favorite kind of pizza? And I said, well, I, I like, all. well, we have different sizes here. You like a small pizza, you're one man, you like a small pizza. I said, Well, small pizzas, he says that's an eight inch. So I make up the dough, I make up the dough, I put in the water, the flour, the water, make up the dough, I make up the dough, and then I'm gonna make eight pizzas at once. Eight eight-inch pizzas at once. So I put out my eight inch, 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 my eight inch. My eight inch. Then I'm gonna put Little sauce, put a 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 little sauce. Then I get my mozzarella, put a little cheese, little cheese, little cheese, little cheese, little cheese, little cheese, little cheese seven, little cheese eight. Now what kind of pizza do you like? What kind of pizza you like? Now at this point I was getting afraid. I was getting a little scared. Right. And I said, Well maybe pepperoni. Pepperoni pizzas. With the 8-inch pizza, we do 6 pepperonis on each pizza. So for the eight pizzas, we got a one, two, three, four, five, six, And 1, 2, 3, 4, And one, two, three, four, five, six, 45 minutes in the oven. Now, do you like a medium pizza? I was very afraid. Medium pizza, you're bigger. You got your 12, you 12, you 12 inch, 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 you 12 inch. You put a little sauce, put a little sauce, put a little sauce, put a little sauce. put a little sauce, put a little sauce, put a little cheese, put a little cheese, put a little cheese. Put, and I realize now that this was the guy I was warned about, because the then there were tw- there were 12 pepperonis. On each of the medium sized pizzas. And I went through the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, one, two, for all eight pizzas. And I couldn't move because he's staring you right in the eye and he's talking about this. I felt a desperate need to try to change the subject. And I thought maybe a subject was asked if he had traveled anywhere other than. Italy or something. He says he went to Mexico all the time. He says, you know how many pesos are in a dollar? I go, no, no, I don't Goes 17.65. 17.65. So let's say you want to buy something. Let's say you want to buy a bottle of beer for $5. How many, how many pesos is that going to be? 17.65 times five. And he does the whole thing. And he starts doing it now for each up to appliances, washer, dryer. You know, that may be $400, but but 17.65 pesos a dollar. That would be something to do with pesos. And I was stuck in that bar for about two hours before the guy had a battery that didn't run down. He just kept jumping to new things I could buy with pesos or new kinds of pizzas that had different ingredients on it and he never stopped
0: had he been to other places or was it just mexico you couldn't get a an exotic no. trip to italy or no. china no
1: no 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 john no he he had been to the far east as well no. and we relived this all with yen as well we, the how much a rye bread cost in yen he was big on the washer and dryer cost in mm-hmm. yen and transferring the dollars to yen. It seemed like he was a font of information, of various resources, of of, uh, what things cost. Sure. And uh, how many pepperonis to use. Were you too polite
0: then to just say, I can't take this anymore and walk away? Sleepyheads It is time once again to tell you about another podcast here on the Maximum Fun Network, where we have the maximum amount of fun permissible. This program is called Reading Glasses. It is a show designed to help you read better, no matter what you read or how you read it. Dedicated to solving all your reader problems, like figuring out how to get a book back from someone who borrowed it and isn't returning it in a timely manner, or finding the best reading light, or helping you find more time to read. This is a program all about reading. Perhaps reading is something you also like to do before falling asleep. So tune in to Reading Glasses. It's hosted by Bria Grant and Mallory Omira every Thursday on Maximum Fun, or wherever you get, say it with me, your podcasts. Were you too polite then
1: to just say, I can't take this anymore and walk away? Yes, I, I was I was too polite, and now I was afraid, because this was the place that I always liked to go, and yes. this was you know, I'd kind of etched that pattern in stone. And so I tried to branch out and not go to McAleer's as much. Cause now I was afraid I would run into the most boring man in the world. Um, uh, this, I don't know, this may be off topic. So stop me. If, no, if no. it is.
0: Yeah. Off so, topic is embraced around here.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I went to McAleer's only in case of emergency after I met the most boring man in the world. Sure. And one of those emergencies arose during one of these trips to New York. I was at a Chinese restaurant with my girlfriend and a couple friends, and they said, we were thinking maybe we'd like to have a four-way. Oh, boy. Now, now, I was not into counting at that age in my life. You know, the, the number four is pretty iffy. You yeah. know, three-way, I understand when you know the right. three people, but four is a lot of people. Yeah. It's a lot of people and a lot of maybe responsibility and also something that could be the subject of psychiatric visits in the future. Right. So they said that actually they had ecstasy, and they wanted us all to take ecstasy at the same time. Now, at this point in my life, I had smoked a lot of reefer mm-hmm. in my life, and I thought, how much worse could ecstasy be? But still, that four-way thing was looming like too much responsibility. Right. But in the Chinese restaurant, I took the ecstasy. And over the course of my mushu pork and fried rice, mm. I started feeling hot. And I don't mean hot in a amorous way or any kind of pleasant way. It was like I was having yellow fever, like yellow fever. So I started sweating at the table. Now it was December in New York. So it was bitter cold outside. It was like in the twenties and I'm in the restaurant and I'm wearing my hat, my sweater. So I take my hat off and my sweater off and hang it up in the restaurant. And now I'm in my long sleeve shirt and I still can't take it, and I take my shirt off, and all I have on is my T-shirt. And I'm drawing attention in the Mm -hmm. restaurant of someone who's taking their clothes off at this Chinese restaurant, and it's so cold outside. And I came back to the table, and the room started modulating. And I was saying, I can't take it anymore, I can't take it anymore. And I ran outside. What
0: does a modulating room look like or
1: sound like or feel like? Do you remember the Twilight Zone, the show with sure. Rod Serling? And yes. occasionally, either if uh, someone was given drugs in a psychiatrist office or an alien, the, one of the few shows when an alien came and took someone onto a spaceship, mm-hmm. they would make the camera modulate I to see. show like time had passed. And it was not a pleasant passage of time. And that reality was now shifting. Mm. So, you know, it's going circularly and vertically and horizontally at the same time. Your vision is. Right. So I leave this restaurant. It's probably 1230 in the afternoon. I think the four-way was supposed to be in the four o'clock. I still had a few hours to go before the four-way but i am out of my mind and i'm trying to walk down the s- sidewalk of amsterdam street i was at 50th and amsterdam and i am headed down and i see people looking at me afraid as i'm walking toward them staggering toward them down the street do you have degrees. your sweater
0: and, and shirt on at this point or is this no a I, back am at the I am shirtless
1: okay. i'm just in a t-shirt 20 degrees in New York. I have all my warm clothes are back in the restaurant. I have nothing but a T-shirt. And I'm looking at all these people that are bundled up for like the Macy's Thanksgiving parade. You know, they got the hats and the scarves and everything. And I'm walking down the sidewalk with a very uh, unstable gait, I would say. It's just... A variable gait, almost like I was moving horizontally as much as I was straightforward and reaching out for invisible walls to keep from falling down. Mm. And I'm looking and I still remember the look of fear in the people's eyes. And I realized in that moment, I had become one of those people in New York. I Mm. had become one of those people that makes people afraid. go to new york because they're afraid they're going to run into someone like me and i have no idea where i am except i am on amsterdam and i think McAleer's pub now i was at 50th street that means i'd have to go 30 blocks but i was out of my mind with this ecstasy drug whatever this was that was torture and i get in And I sit in McAleer's, and I order a beer, and I order a hamburger. The most boring man in the world was not there at the time. But the waiters and waitresses brought me my food very carefully. They would put it down and everything. And I was there until about 8 at night. And then I re—I realized I was no longer under the influence of ecstasy or anything. And I had to get my clothes. Right. Which means I had to walk now at night in New York, 30 blocks back, wearing just a T-shirt and hope that the restaurant was still open, which it, which it was, oh, which good. it was so i was able to redress most importantly i was able to miss the four-way totally missed that that was not even a part of and i don't even know if they had a three-way if they had a four minus one equals three i have no idea what happened that day in fact i still know know uh the guy that uh gave me the ecstasy so i should ask him if they did have a three-way that day. But anyway, the legend of McAleer's changed after that moment. Mm. And it was not only the place where the most boring man in the world occasionally worked, but also a place where a lunatic came in one day out of the cold and sat in there and had a hamburger for five hours Before he walked back out on the street, it had to have been like 18 degrees on my way back. It was, oh, gosh, yeah. (laughs) Did Did you ever tell
0: your friend who had warned you about the most boring man in the world that you had actually encountered
1: him? I did. Yeah. I did. And, in fact, you know, he is still a dear friend of mine. I saw him last time I was in New York. I need to have this discussion with him and uh, because his eyes lit, lit up with both admiration, a little bit of jealousy, a mm. little bit that, like, I did see Paul Bunyan in the woods of Oregon and Babe the Blue Ox. I did see it, and they they did exist. You know, it was kind of like, is he lying? Did he really see? But the story about the pizzas… Yeah, got it. I had. Right. I didn't even have to go to the pesos, the, the currency exchange. Uh, that that I, they have. They call. There's something with that, isn't there? Isn't mm. there now a mental disorder with people who have to list things? Is that? Well, I don't. It
0: could be a form of obsessive compulsive disorder. That's it. Yeah. Obsessive-compulsive. Now, you have acted in, in many films and television shows and, and plays, as we've discussed. Um, have you been able to channel the most boring man in the world into any of your characters?
1: Uh, I put a little bit of, of him into Ned Ryerson. From Groundhog Day. Except, except the drive- that ned ryerson had now if you took the joy out of ned ryerson you know mm. am i am i right or am i right am i right 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 ah! right am i right you know if you just change that to you got your eight inch 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 you know you're in the same ballpark so i channeled a little bit of his obsessive drive into ned ryerson mm. but uh it's hard to imitate the most boring man in the world without really boring your audience. I, I do it for my wife all the time now, and she just gets to the first pizza. When when I say, you ate in, she says, stop it. Stop it. Don't go anymore, and don't go to the pepperoni. Don't do it. And
0: stop way short of the pesos.
1: <laughs> this marriage is done if you do that. It's It's kind of
0: admirable in a way that he is and and clearly you are not his first mark clearly he has told these these tales before that he has so little awareness of how the bit is going or is it that he is well aware that he is grinding you into dust and that
1: is the payoff for him no, I didn't feel there was any malice in him. I felt there was the need to convey information, mm. and and it. But what I will say was, a lot of times when you're with a teacher, they have concern as to whether the students observed and absorbed the lesson. Sure. Most boring man in the world did not care if I understood completely about how he makes the pizzas. But that day, the day in question, we went. He did the entire eight small pizzas. He did the eight medium pizzas. And he did the eight large pizzas, which were 15 pepperonis apiece.
0: So you counted out 15 pepperonis times eight pizzas.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and you had your eight animal. inch, your twelve inch, and your fifteen inch pizza. And then you do your saucy, 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 you do, you do your sauce. Put a little cheese, put a little cheese, put a little cheese, little mozzarella cheese, little cheese, little cheese, little cheese. And you like pepperoni? <laughs> That's Fifteen pepperonis per pizza. One, two, three. <laughs> it's, it was. it's sort of a management
0: issue at some point because the manager of of Macaulay's decided, this is somebody that I want to pay. This is somebody I want to have on my staff. And so a job interview of some sort, even an informal one, must have taken place after which the manager decided... Not only do I want this person and his little hat in my establishment, I want to put him at the bar
1: interacting with customers. You may have just touched on something that it may have been a family issue, because mm. you know, it's it was like a you know big old happy family there working. It could have been somebody that right. had skills but did not have really people skills you know but but there are these people that have to count to keep their world together so maybe this was just his way of, of coping
0: right right are are you one of those actors who when you are when you meet people who are unusual in some way you file them away for use in characters later on
1: Yes. And the same thing with writing, too. If, if, you know, you run into something that's remarkable, when, when I teach improvisation, I tell the people in my class, I want you to write down anything that happens during the day that is remarkable. Mm. It doesn't have to be exciting. It doesn't have to be funny. It just has to be worthy of remark and i have now volumes of my remarkable days like i let me see if i have one here i can sure share with you uh, something that was uh okay well we were talking here here's one uh, that we were talking about world airways yes right the flight so here i have something that i remembered from world airways Uh, $99, either L.A. to Hawaii or L.A. to New York. Now, when they advertised this, people came to the airport to buy tickets. And the line for the $99 flight was three miles long. Mm. It went out of the airport, around the parking garage, out onto the San Diego freeway. People brought ice chests. They bought sleeping bags. But you could pay $125, which was full fare, which Mm. I decided to do. So I stand in the full fare line. Much shorter line. Nobody. There's like nobody there. Everybody's in the $99 line. And this guy came up behind me, and he looks at the one line that's three miles long. And he looks up at me that I'm like next in line to go up to the booth and he says to me so are you in the discount line (laughs) and i said no the discount line is is there and i realized that he was the portrait of the depth of human delusion (laughs) we do this all the time this is, this is one that I'm still chewing on. This happened okay. the other day. I was watching television, and I saw what I thought was me on a commercial, but it wasn't oh. me. It was a commercial for Tubi, T-U-B-I. Is mm. that the?
0: TV service streaming entertainment yes. channel thing.
1: Yeah. And they were saying, we have all the sitcoms. And they had a couple sitting on a couch. And a fake audience like laughing in the background. And then there was a knock on the door and the door opens and there's a guy, bald, glasses, in this case, much shorter than I, wearing Mm. a Hawaiian shirt. The audience starts applauding when he shows up. So he's like the neighbor, the crazy neighbor. And he goes, oh, it's a doozy. And Uh I thought doozy. What show is Doosia in except Groundhog Day? And I thought, are they saying that that guy was me? I don't know. Mm. I found it remarkable. So I wrote it on my, in my little book that maybe, maybe I had become a fictitious character.
0: Clearly, a casting call had gone out for a Stephen
1: Tobolowski type. Yes. Now, I have done that before. I, there was a TV show, and an agent who is not my agent called me up and said, Stephen, are you going in on this show? And I said, no, I haven't heard about it. He says, can I read you the description looking for a Stephen Tobolowsky type? Mm. So I called my agent, filled with anger, and saying, what are you guys up to? Have you seen this? They're looking for a Stephen Tobolowski type. And my agent said, You're not right for the role. <laughs> I said, I'm not right for the send me in. So I went in. I didn't get a call back. Did not get a call back. And my agent called me up and said, I told you, not right for the role. So it's hard. It's hard sometimes to be in there. <laughs> did, did you point out to them that? You are the definition of a Stephen Tobolowski type, yes, but that's also the definition of television in Hollywood where it doesn't make any sense. What do you do
0: with all these notebooks of these observations
1: i sometimes I'll use them to write a story uh, sometimes they'll sometimes they lead like to amazing places things that you couldn't imagine um uh, Especially when you get as old as I am now, mm-hmm. you you have a real chance for life to double back around and make kind of poetry out of some things that kind of happened or didn't happen in your life. You you like uh an example, I'll I'll jump to love virtually mm-hmm. since since that's like we we started shooting that at the beginning of the pandemic. Wow. When everybody thought it was gonna kill you. Wow. Uh. Right? So we're terrified. It's supposed to be a comedy. We're terrified. Uh they have cherry O'Terry in a separate room from me. The crew is all wearing space suits. Uh <laughs> you know masks headgear handgear boots like space you know cuz we didn't know if it was carried in dust or what was carrying covid right. nobody knew sure but just people were dying oh i hope i hope that doesn't upset someone's sleep oh Talking no about I th- covid yeah i, th- I think i think
0: people remember
1: <laughs> yeah and and so you know in, in between shots i would go out and sit in my car Cause I didn't want to be anywhere near any people mm. at the time. I would say that was a catastrophe. You, you know, it's difficult to start shooting a movie when nobody could be in the same room at the same time. Yeah. But upon seeing the film a couple weeks ago, I thought, you know, it was a blessing in disguise. Because what emerges kind of from the movie, I guess it was always there as subtext, but because of COVID and the way we shot it, there's a sense of isolation about oh, everything. Right. And and it's all about the loneliness of people and them looking for love uh-huh. and finding it online or trying to find it online. And then it goes into the computer and and But I'm thinking, like, if it weren't for starting and shooting this under such terrible circumstances, the movie would not have had that quality. And probably the same thing with Groundhog Day. If, if you, you take a look at Groundhog Day, I don't know if I told you the story, but the first week of Groundhog Day was mainly Bill and I on the street. Uh, mm-hmm. doing the street scene. And there were about five street scenes in the original script. And Harold Ramis didn't know what weather condition he wanted the movie to be in because the weather had to be the same every day. Every time. Because it's a repeated day.
0: Right. So
1: Bill and I had to shoot that scene, street scene in rain and snow in sleet because we were outside of Chicago. You got it all. Mm-hmm. And we had no schedule. At the end of that week, they had a huge set piece scene where Bill discovers he has no consequences. And it's a scene that he goes crazy in and Bill doing what he does best, which is Bill going crazy. And so he chainsaws furniture in half and he spray paints his room and, uh, he cuts his hair into a mohawk, all this <laughs> nutty stuff, because he has no consequences. And anybody who knows anything about movies knows anytime you destroy something, you have to have a copy. Right. So we had to have copies of all of this stuff made. The scene took about two and a half days to shoot. And at the end of it, Harold Ramis looked at the footage and said to Danny Rubin, a writer, and the other producers, he says, what story are we telling here? Are we telling the story of Bill going crazy? Are we telling the story of time and how people use their time? Mm. And he threw it away. Mm -hmm. He threw almost all the, and it's the first week The first week is when the studio's looking over your shoulder to see, like, how are you spending my money? And they shoot this big scene and then throw it away. And then he and Danny Rubin, the writer, got together and said, we have to decide the story we're telling. And the whole story of Groundhog Day changed after that one day, that Mm. two-day shoot. So you could say, catastrophe kind of framed groundhog day too. And it gave it a whole new shape and a whole new direction that it didn't have before. So uh, I find that people mistake catastrophe for bad news. Mm. And, And as I get older, I find don't let a catastrophe go to waste. You know, because... You can use it. It can shape you. It could mend you. Uh, So little things like that I find, and I put in my little notebooks Mm. of, of various catastrophes then I went through and how I came out on the other side of them. And it's almost always a happy story. Yeah, yeah.
0: What year was it that you met the most boring man in the world? I
1: would... It was 84, I was in New York doing Miss Firecracker, so I think it was before then. Okay. I did a show in 81, I think on Broadway. I think okay. I did The Wake of Jamie Foster then. So I would guess it was 81 or 82. So this was, this was 42, 41,
0: 42 years ago. Uh, how old was the most boring man in the world at that
1: time? I would say the most boring man in the world at that time was mid 40s, mid 40s. Okay, maybe, okay, maybe he was as old as 50, but I thought he looked like a guy you'd see working in the kitchen. You know, he's kind of grungy,
0: yeah,
1: crazy hair, sleeves rolled up, busy, ready for work. But I would say he was.
0: Yeah, if he's still around today, and he might be, what do you think he's doing? Yeah, eight ate and
1: she ate and 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 she, ate and she. <laughs> Little sauce, little sauce, little
0: sauce. Little cheese, little cheese, little <laughs> cheese, little, cheese, little <laughs> cheese. <laughs> <laughs> cheese. Has to be.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stephen Tobolowsky, thank you so much for telling us about the most boring man in the world and about your uh, underdressed. Roam through New York City. Um, and Stephen, thank you and good night. Good night. Thank you. Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about Stephen Tobolowski and the most boring man in the world as much as I did. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is to make a mental catalog of things, a list of things and observations that I experienced and or learned. So if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Stephen Tobolowski right now while well, it's fresh in my mind. One, never dye loincloths for a theater production on opening night. Two, everyone should experience a magnificent dream, wake up, and then pick up in the same place to continue the magnificent dream at least once in their life. 3. There was a glorious period in the mid-80s when World Airways offered one-way tickets from L.A. to New York for $95. 4. If you ever have the opportunity to meet the most boring man in the world, take it you'll have a riveting story you can tell for the rest of your life. 5. Some people have skills, but not people skills. 6. Stephen Tobolowsky couldn't book a role that asked for a Stephen Tobolowsky type. 7. He was the portrait of the depth of human delusion is a perfect description for the guy who can't tell which line is the discount line or the full fare line. And eight, don't let a catastrophe go to waste. You can use it. Uh, okay, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and Stephen Tobolowski. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on Twitter and TikTok with the handle... At Sleep with Celebs. On Instagram, the handle is at Sleep Our email is Sleep at Maximum Music is provided by The Winter Bowers. The show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. And this is a production of Maximum Fun and Papuchik. I'm John Mo, Night Night.
1: Maximum Fun,
0: a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.